Welcome to this episode of Talking Points. I'm your host, Brian Kelly, the points guy. And today we've got the points guy of the UK. That's right. Our very own TPG UK, Nikki Kelvin. Nikki, thank you for joining us today. It's great to be here. Thank you. So Nikki, last time you were on Talking Points, we were just about to launch TPG UK and we talked all about London through the eyes of Nikki Kelvin and just talk travel in general. But today I want to talk about British Airways Executive Club, which just won Best International Loyalty Program at our second annual TPG Awards. As a UK resident, I have to imagine, is the BA program your number one? It's my go-to. For the UK, it's the easiest program to earn in, it's the easiest program to spend in, and BA has a huge network. You can get to the most places with British Airways, so it's a very important program. But there's loads of partners as well that you can do exciting stuff with. Yeah, and for listeners in the US, you can transfer your Chase Ultimate Rewards and Amex at one-to-one near instant ratios to top up your account. Actually, this summer, Chase had their first ever transfer bonus, giving 30% more when you transfer to Avios. You can also transfer Marriott Bonvoy at a decent ratio, basically 60,000. Bonvoy is 25,000. Avios, they also sometimes run bonuses when you transfer in. So even though British Airways is a UK loyalty program, it's one of the most interacted with here in the US. And I know that's probably why it won Best uh, International Loyalty Program. Let's start out with the basics. You know, I know a lot of people shudder at British Airways miles because when you redeem on British Airways flights, the taxes and fees are nuts. Can you just explain why BA charges so darn much for awards on their own flights? So it's a killer, actually. If you want to fly long haul on British Airways, and I'd imagine a lot of Americans, it's an easy way to get to London. They charge taxes, fees and fuel surcharges is where it really gets topped up. And actually, when you depart in the US, it can cost hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I've seen taxes $800 plus on some one-way redemptions, which is insane, especially when you know you might be redeeming on another airline and paying $5.60. Yeah. So anytime you're going business class or first class through London, you're going to hit, what is it, the APD, the airport departure tax or whatever. Uh, and that's a couple hundred pounds, but it's not the total. So BA is tacking on a ton for business and first class awards especially. But I will say I think in 2019, I've flown BA first more than any other carrier because I fly it when I go to Africa, I fly it going to the UK because even though there are high taxes and fees, the award availability is amazing. I mean, every time I want to go to the UK, I mean, BA has what, 10 flights a day and, you know, I usually book within the last couple of weeks and there's always first class availability. So even though I'm spending, you know, $800, which seems like a lot, but for like a first class ticket that they charge like nine grand for... It's actually not a bad way to hop the pond. So do you agree that BA, for its faults with high taxes and fees, they have pretty incredible award availability? I mean, they have such huge capacity, especially on the New York to London route. I tell people often, if you want to try and redeem on a route and you can't use your miles, the London-New York route is one to go for, where they do have so many flights every single day with first class on every single flight. So that can be a real winner. However, there are just loads of different ways to use your points. And if you want to avoid paying the high taxes... Even if you're an American resident, there's loads of different ways you can get involved Mm -hmm. and and spend your avios. So British Airways has their own loyalty program, but so does Aer Lingus, so does Iberia. Yeah. And you can transfer your BA avios to Aer Lingus and to Iberia, correct? Like, what are the nuances there? 
So it's a really bizarre system, actually, especially Aer Lingus, which isn't actually part of One World. So that's a really weird one. But you can freely transfer your Avios between Iberia, Aer Lingus and British Airways' program. And I do that quite often, especially when I want to get things into the Iberia program, because that's a way to save on taxes. Same with Aer Lingus. So if you redeem your miles on Aer Lingus flights or on Iberia, the taxes can turn from sort of hundreds and hundreds of dollars into $50, $60. So that can be really good. One thing to note, actually, is that you have to have an Iberia account open for 90 days before it allows you to transfer points between British Airways and Iberia. So if you don't have an Iberia account, my top tip is go and open one now and have yourself set up and ready to take advantage. I don't even know if I have an Iberia account. Oh, I have an Iberia one. Is it the same with Aer Lingus too? Um, actually not sure, but, I, yeah. but it's, but, but sign up for op- one anyway, just op- to be safe. Open, open. And then how, room. when you, when it goes to transfer, you just can connect the different accounts. Like- they have, yeah, they have, it's called Combine My Avios. And mm. so if, as long as you have the same name and I think address on every account, you can transfer and it's an instant transfer between the accounts. So I remember back in the day it was rest in peace, Air Berlin and Aer Lingus flights. If you want to go transatlantic, those were the partners to redeem on. Aer Lingus, you used to not be able to book online, so you had to call and wait on hold for 45 minutes or whatever and get a surly BA rep. And But you would avoid, I remember it was $5.60 taxes and fees to go New York, Dublin. You know, Aer Lingus has expanded quite a bit in the U.S., and they have all live flat seats now. So Aer Lingus business class, would you say, is better than BA Club World, their old product that is on most of their fleet? So I actually just flew the Aer Lingus A321LR from Dublin to London. They've started flying Mm -hmm. a few um, short-haul flights. I think there's one a day at the moment. And it's a really lovely product. You know, narrow body, but really comfortable. It's the same seat as JetBlue Mint. Yeah, exactly. And the throne seats are amazing, spacious, comfortable, and some really great redemption rates. And so they're flying those aircraft on a number of routes now. They had delays in delivery from Airbus, and that's caused them problems in rolling out the routes that they wanted to, but they are coming more and more to North America. And the the route network's actually pretty good. Great that you get to pre-clear US Customs and Immigration in Dublin or in Shannon, wherever you're departing from. So you arrive as a domestic passenger in the US, which is great for really you. Not not so much for me. I'd much rather just arrive US and go through global entry than having to make a stop on a plane and add an extra hour. But sure, but if you're coming from Ireland, then it's then it's like if you're doing Aer Lingus, Correct. then you have no option. And so yeah, redemption rates are good, taxes are low, and, and now the nice thing is on avios.com you can search Aer Lingus award availability. So you can book your flights on there. So you transfer your points into the Aer Lingus program and you can book or, or you can just use it to search availability you'd still have to call ba if you wanted to and it's book. it's interesting so Aer Lingus has come up with the strategy to run those live flats to london which is what like a 35 minute flight yeah. and then also some other airports within europe right so they they run that plane in the morning to other european cities and then back to dublin or shannon for the afternoon flights to the u.s is that's that- right i think scheduling wise they had this gap where they had nothing to do with the aircraft in that little turnaround that two, three hours, they had the ability to send one to London and back, for example, Mm. before the flights go out to the US. It also created the opportunity for people to fly business class life flat the whole way. But also, they never had a business class before. They never had a sort of European or domestic business class, and now they do. So you don't always get the life flat seats, obviously, mm-hmm. but they do have a new business class product, which I think they call Airspace, uh, and that's a sort of blocked Don't out tell me it's the block. One of my biggest pet that. peeves <laughs> in travel is these fake fraudulent in intra-European business class, which is a coach seat, same legroom as coach, knee crushing for people like me, and oh great, a middle seat blocked out, you know. 
Well, Brian, still, if you yeah. want the proper business class, you're going to have to fly Aer Lingus on that one flight a day. And it's, well, and it's nice. It's a nice way to do it. Well, for I actually, minutes. talking about Aer Lingus, I haven't been to Ireland, my motherland, in several years, and I've really got to get back. All right, let's get back to points and teaching our listeners how to get the most value. Did you know that TPG, the site, not me necessarily, because I value my miles a little differently. So we value Avios at 1.5 cents a piece, which is actually higher than United, Delta, and AA miles. And so many people think Avios are useless, big taxes and fees, but there's tremendous value in redeeming on partners. So let's talk about where, where does the most value lie when you're looking at One World Partners for BA? Okay, so I've got a few ideas for, for sort of the US audience. Um, and the first thing to say is we all got very scared recently when BA announced they were going to be devaluing or making more expensive partner awards. But actually, the new award chart came out. Well, at TPG, we had people ferreting away, calling up BA, finding out all the new amounts. And it turned out that the increases were sort of only between 10, 20, 30 percent in some cases. But the, the increases were not a hard hit. But for US short domestic flights, really great redemption, 9,000 Avios one way and $5.60, which is a really nice way to get around when flying American. So mm-hmm. American is a, is a partner, one world partner of British Airways. Also flying from the West Coast. So 9,000, what is that from like New York to... Like New York what? to Chicago, I don't know. Right. Could because So the BA prices awards by segment, by distance, right? Distance-based so, awards, yeah. So in general, when you're redeeming Avios, you want to go nonstop unless... Because each segment you add adds on an extra amount. That's right. The only time when that doesn't apply is if you fly from a domestic UK airport connecting in London to a long haul destination, in which case they give you that domestic connection for free. But apart from that, you don't get that. So you want to be doing non-stops. It's a more efficient way. As much as possible. And in order to book an American Airlines flight, they have to have saver availability in general, right? Yeah, that's right. Actually, one little nuance there, which I've just thought of, sometimes you can beat the system. So one example, Qatar is a partner airline of British Airways or One World Airline. And if you fly from Doha to Stockholm, you're just within a distance band. So you're one distance band lower and it costs less Avios. So to fly and stop in Stockholm and then get a connecting flight from Stockholm to London actually is cheaper overall with Avios. So there can be some nuances there. So you should check if there's like a place you can break your journey. But within the US, you want to be aiming for directs. Um, And so the other nice one is West Coast to Hawaii, which you can spend in coach at least is 13,000 Avios, uh, which I believe is cheaper than the amount of miles you pay on. On American, yeah, for sure. Yeah, or on Delta or other airlines, so... Interesting. So One World is also Cathay Pacific. But, you know, for U.S. flyers, you know, the, when you start going ultra long haul on uh, Avios due to the distance bands, you know, New York to Hong Kong on Cathay is more expensive than what AA charges in general. Um, but the, there, there are no real taxes and fees on most of the other One World partners, right? It's only British Airways that really gets you. I get surprised sometimes when I look at the taxes on certain redemptions and and it's just almost nothing, which is kind of crazy. Um, you know, there are there are other routes. But, but well, BA will tack on taxes and fees for um, transatlantic, Iberia, and American. If you're flying into London, yeah. you're in trouble, which is why, for example, if you're going to fly Iberia, you should transfer your points into Iberia rather than use your British Airways Avios to buy the same flights because they will put on extra BA charges even though you're flying Iberia. You can send your points to Iberia, book the exact same flight, and they'll charge you way less taxes. Mm-hmm. So that's something to be aware And I would also argue, I mean, so the BA Club World seat hasn't changed in 20 years. They, they have the new suite, but it's on a 
tiny amount of aircraft. Most people are not going to fly the new suite for years to come. So comparing old Club World, which is eight across on some planes, versus Iberia has one two one lie flats, Aer Lingus does, American does on all flights. So realistically, it's kind of funny that they charge huge taxes and fees on the crappiest product. It's crazy. And then when you look at other airlines you can spend your avios on, Qatar, Cathay Pacific, JAL, you know, these are like airlines that have really amazing products and you can use your the same amount of points and probably pay less tax. So it's worth bearing in mind what these, who the partners are and how you can fly something more exciting. And we won't go into all the details. If you Google, you know, the points guy, how to maximize BA Avios, how to use Avios with partners, we break it down segment by segment, how to get the cheapest flights. Now, using Avios, there's more redemptions than just airlines. So I know you can use it on Eurostar. Are there any other weird redemptions that you'd actually recommend people use? I have not come across any redemptions that give you anywhere near as good a value as you get when redeeming for flights. So we tell people in the UK, never use your Avios for anything apart from flights. All right, we're going to take a quick break now. I'll see you right after we hear from our sponsors. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Talking Points. Let's jump back into it. So let's talk about BA First Class. So like I said, I fly it all the time. I just spent several days on it flying New York, London, London, Cape Town, and back. And I used to say it was the world's best business class product, which is a put down because it really is not a first class product in in terms of today's first class products. And after flying it this past time, Qatar Q Suites is a way better product than BA First Class for Sure. Maybe the BA Lounge, if you are in London and the Concord Room is your cup of tea. But even, and the thing that I dislike about BA First is that it's so not private. So if you're in a middle seat, you know, you're totally exposed to the aisle, no privacy, and the, the suites are pretty thin. Am I being too harsh here, or do you actually think BA is a proper first-class product? I think I agree with you. I mean, you know, these sort of comments might get a lot of hate. You know, maybe we're lucky to fly first-class, but we do work hard to earn our miles and pay almost nothing to fly those flights. But it isn't competitive. I really like it. It's a little slice of home for me. I actually think when when you've got a great crew, there's nothing better yeah. than a great cheeky BA crew, and that they is, really make that the That is flight. so true. I've had some amazing... BA flight crews. I remember an Irish flight attendant, which she flew with me and my parents. We were the only people, the three of us in the nose, the first class cabin flying to Accra a couple years ago. And she was the best. And like, I've had multiple amazing flight attendants, you know, they sneak me the bottle of champagne on my way out and thank me. And I've actually had a couple now that I've seen um, since I've traveled quite a bit. It's interesting because there's two different types of flight crews on BA. So explain that, that there's this, why do they have two different groups of flight attendants? Okay, so they have the old guard, um, which they call worldwide. And they are the ones on the old contract, still getting lots of days off, lots of pay, great benefits. And by definition, they are older and more experienced because quite a few years ago, they cut off recruiting people into those contracts and they replace them with what is now called mixed fleet and mixed fleet crews tend to be much younger they haven't been at the airline for long they're less experienced 
That being said, you never know what you're going to get. So you can get a worldwide crew who just has incredible experience, knows the aircraft like the back of the hands, gives you service like you've never had before. Equally, you can get horrible, old, grumpy, <laughs> grumpy buggers <laughs> Me. who don't want to, you know, who don't want to serve you because they've been there for 46 years and they've yeah. had enough. And then on the other, on the flip side, mixed fleet, you can have inexperienced crew who don't know what they're doing. They don't really know how to serve you properly, but you can also have very young, enthusiastic crew. Mixed fleet also for their cabin service managers. So they call them different things. It's cabin service managers for mixed fleet, cabin service directors for worldwide. The CSMs. So if you listen, I'm going to be your cabin service director. That means you have a worldwide crew. Correct. And a manager is a mixed fleet. That's right. And you can get CSMs that were recruited from other airlines. So they can have like decades of experience as well. And they can be really amazing. So you can never really tell. People say like, oh, I don't want mixed fleet because like they don't know what they're doing. It's it's not always the case. I did have a mixed fleet that it took them like two and a half hours to start dinner service. It was like so you can get long. that but you can get and that i was starving ways. and they knew it and i was like can i please and they did like the full meal service for the people in front of me without even bringing me like a drink or a bread plate i was like can i please just have a roll and they were kind of flustered like oh crap you're I think usually they... so friendly when you're hungry though <laughs> <laughs> yeah hanger and me do not go hand in hand let's also talk about the heathrow experience so on my last trip for some reason, BA, it seems like all their Africa flights go through T3, but all the you know premium New York, LA flights go through T5, which means you have to do an awful transfer. So I, let me just say, like I, T5 Heathrow is nice, barring the security guards that go haywire for liquids. That's another <laughs> topic for another day. But when you fly into T5 and have to transfer, you have to get off the plane, you have to walk a mile Go wait in line for a bus that they jam-packed to the gills. I mean, I was shocked at I mean, it was there was no square footage of space left. And then it's like a 15-minute bus ride, hot, and then you get off and have to clear security again. That is a very unpremium experience, especially if you're paying for first class. Is it as bad as I'm making it out to be? Or are there like tips to navigating Heathrow that you just get used to? It's not a fantastic transfer experience. Granted, it really isn't. Um, I guess the the saving grace is that there's probably not a huge amount of passengers, BA passengers that connect between T3 and T5. I don't know the actual numbers, but there's probably around 20-ish routes that fly out of T3 and the other 100 plus fly out of T5. But if you are flying American connecting to BA, you will make that transfer. Can't avoid it. Yeah. So I don't think there's a way of making it better. The clearing security thing, again, is I think is the most annoying thing because, you know, they are really anal in mm-hmm. Europe and especially at yeah. Heathrow. And those queues can be quite long. You don't get well treated. Even actually, even generally at uh, security at Heathrow, fast track can take forever yeah. as well. So it's and there's no way of getting around that. So unfortunately, you kind of stuck with it. And, and I can't imagine BA are going to be providing any sort of like private transfers. Yeah, but for people paying 10 grand a ticket, you should, I mean, is that so much to ask for? Um, Let's go to lounges. So BA, the Concord room is their signature, which they have at JFK, which is you sit down, private dining. And at T5, it's nice. But then there's a bunch of other business class lounges. So if you're flying business class out of T5, which lounge do you go to? Okay, so there is a number of options. So there's Galleries North, Galleries South. So and there's also another lounge at um, the B Gates. Actually, I really love the B Gates lounge. It That's tends where to a be... lot of the U.S. flights leave from, right? You have to take that tram. Yeah. So if you, if generally, if you're on short haul European flights, most of them, or you hope most of them, domestic flights leave from the A Gates. 
longer haul and the larger aircraft tend to fly from the B and C gates. But I just really like the galleries club lounge at the B gates because much quieter. People don't realize it's there. Even if people are flying from the B gates, they tend to use the A gates lounges. So if you want a more chilled experience and you're flying from the B or C gates, I would recommend going to that. You want to know what lounge when I'm flying business class, I will use Wagamama. (laughs) That's where I go. Business class lounges just don't, I mean, they're, they're just like so boring to me. Like I guess there's free booze and you don't get that at Wagamama, but the T5 Wagamama is like my favorite one. Sometimes I do think that you're in an airport and you're sort of like like serving up some slop, like chili con carne <laughs> and rice. And you're like, I could actually just go to Pret and have like a delicious baguette. Totally. Like, why don't like I just do five that? Pounds. Yeah, yeah, I know. Because even in the first class lounge. So let's move to T3. The T3 first class lounge. I mean, the food spread was grim. I, they do have sit-down seating, which is at the very end, which I don't think a lot of people realize, but the buffet was like, and, and every time I go, it's like not a nice spread. If you're flying first or business, because you have a lot of options with Qantas, with Cathay, with American, like what is the best lounge for different vibes? Like Cathay is the one for me. I really want to sort of, I want to live in a Cathay lounge. It's the, I bought myself a little rubber plant at home just to get some Cathay vibes. I think the, even the business class, so the Cathay lounge at T3 is split into business and first. First class has a sit down dining area, really great menu really lovely food the dandan noodles the dandan noodles are a dream um i think it's like a bowl of hot cream basically Mm. with a bit of peanut in it but they're great (laughs) but the business class lounge also has a dim sum bar and does the noodles as well and nice drink selection and really comfortable seating so for me that's the place to go people rave about the Qantas coffee and they have a gym bar for sure the place not gym bar gin 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 bar that's an interesting concept the place not to be is the ba or the american lounges Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, I have another little tip here. Give us all your tips, Nikki. So the most fantastic lounge at T3 and perhaps at the whole of Heathrow is the Virgin Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't know this until very recently, but if you have Virgin status, if you hold a Virgin Gold card, they will let you use their lounges, their lounge, even even if you're not flying on Virgin. And I actually put this to the test. Recently, I was flying to... I was flying to Marseille, uh, which flies, which BA flies out of T3, went to the Virgin Lounge. She checked my boarding pass. She was like, oh, Marseille, by the way, we don't announce BA flights here. So she was fully aware that I wasn't flying Virgin. Let me into the lounge and the Virgin Lounge is fantastic. So also consider that option as well if you are Virgin Gold. Well, let's talk about Virgin. We had Shai Weiss, the CEO of Virgin, on this podcast recently, and they just announced their new upper class suite to compete with BA's new club suite. You've tried them both. Yes. Which do you prefer and why? Ooh, tough question. Well, if you read the reviews on the site of both, Virgin just edges it. Um, well, especially when you include ground experience, right? Yeah, and actually that's really what clinches it. The Virgin ground experience is faultless, I think, at Heathrow. They have the private wing where you drive up to the door. The check-in experience is great. The lounge is, for a business class lounge, is really world-class. Compare that to the business class ground experience at Heathrow. It's just not exciting. Mm-hmm. In terms of the actual cabin, I actually prefer the British Airways one. It's a bit smarter, a bit more subtle, and the cabin has a door on it. And I actually think for sleeping, the BA seat is better. But overall, the Virgin experience is just way more Well, Virgin has that one flaw that Shai even acknowledged about the table, that it's at a really weird angle that they're already going to fix. Yeah, so when I flew it, I think like, you know, I'm a pretty little guy. I can slot in anywhere, but the Virgin table, actually, I didn't really fit. It doesn't work. It's ergonomically not. It's just not good at all. Mm. Um, but if they fix that, that would be a real improvement. Actually, one the big tip for Virgin is if you're flying upper class, you want to be on the first row because they have a much bigger footwell. There's mm-hmm. way more room to sort of roll around in there if you're trying to sleep. Let's talk about this. Club World on a 
777 or upper class on an A330 or 40? Which would you choose? Let's take, Actually, 747 to 747. Let's take ground experience. Let's take all, all of, that all out. The seat itself. It. You're in it for eight hours. Which one would you prefer? I'm going to go BA. Interesting. Yeah, I think uh, the Virgin seat, I find you it... You like gazing into the eyes of your seatmate? I just find it really annoying. I can't... The Virgin seat, it's annoying that you have to flip the thing over if you yeah. want to make it into a bed. I think... BA on its day. And if we're talking 747, if you're in the upper deck on British Airways, that is a winner. I love it out there, actually. So BA has four classes. We did a four cabin review, which has million. How many millions of views do we have on that now? Uh, we're about to hit five million on that. Five video, million. I think. So yeah. the TPG UK, we launched it in April of 2019. And they've been crushing the game from a creativity standpoint, especially in video. So if you don't already follow us, go to youtube.com slash UK. And you will find a treasure trove of really clever aviation and travel videos. And our four cabin reviews or multi-cabin reviews are just continuously going viral. Do you want to explain what it was like to film that first BA review? So we flew to Abu Dhabi for that one. And I was in first class. I picked first class out the from under a cup, actually, not out of a hat. So I was lucky to have the lovely experience. It was Although on there are lots of conspiracy theories on the internet that you're rigging it in your favor. I rigged it for everyone <laughs> after that. But the first one was not rigged. It was just the following ones that were rigged. It was we didn't really know what was going to happen. And the four of us boarded the flight uh, with all our cameras shooting everything. And it just turned out to be really magical. The crew were incredible. They weren't sort of shocked or annoyed by us filming. I think they probably get a lot of people just you know, mm -hmm. vloggers and amateur vloggers kind of filming stuff. And it was just an amazing way to compare the experiences of the four different cabins on the plane. And no one's ever really done that before side by side at the same time on the same flight. The lucky thing on that Abu Dhabi flight was it was quiet. So we had loads of space to run around and do our thing. Which ones have we done after and which has been your favorite? Uh, we did British Airways. We've done Virgin on the new A350. We did Lufthansa on an A340. We did, we just filmed Singapore from Frankfurt to New York on the A380. So that's going to be an exciting one. And we did Emirates on the 777 that has the new suites. And we've just booked our next one, which I think I'll keep that a secret for now. But we're doing the next one in January. What kind With of, a big uh, surprise to happen in the uh, middle of that. Interesting. I don't even think I, <laughs> I know. I'll have to ask you when we're not on air. All right, Nikki, we have to wrap up. You know, one of the biggest tips that I think Americans don't know about BA and the program is the multi-partner award. Um, it's not really advertised. What is it and how can people listening maximize it? Okay, so British Airways has a completely separate chart that you can utilize if you want to book on two or more BA partner airlines. And it's based on bands and you can build up, I think, up to a maximum of 12 flights on the ticket. And they calculate the price based on the total mileage. So you can cram in loads of short haul flights and some long haul flights and beat the normal chart by quite a way. So I did a crazy redemption where I flew um, a lot of first and business class flights across Asia. I went to, I did Cathay first to Hong Kong, across to Taiwan and back again, down to Perth, to Singapore and home. And I paid 200,000 Avios and about 400 pounds tax. That's amazing. The equivalent would have been, I think, 360,000 Avios and like way more tax had I have booked it as separate tickets. So if you're booking lots of flights, you want to do a sort of around the world, you should look at the- um, And do you, you don't have to include BA, do you? Um, so could someone from New York do Cathay to... Yeah, I think you just have to have two or more partner right. airlines, yeah. We have whole blog posts on that. So once again, just Google the Point Sky BA Multi-Carrier Award and learn all the nitty-gritty details on that. Nikki, 
what destination are you most excited to travel to in 2020? I have two places on my hit list and places I've never been to before and that I can't believe I've never been. And they are Brazil and South Africa. And hopefully South Africa will be the one, the solid one that I nail. But the actual place, I'm going to Sri Lanka in December. That's, oh, I'm, so really? I'm very excited about that. That one's happening. Nikki, you're from Leeds. So outside of London, where should people visit in the UK that's not London or Manchester? You should head up to not quite Leeds. I don't know if I'd send like people up there for a holiday in Leeds. However, the Yorkshire Dales and the surrounding areas are stunningly beautiful. If any of you have ever bought Yorkshire tea, you'll see on the box of the Yorkshire tea, that's what the Yorkshire Dales looks like. Dreamy, lots of sheep, rolling hills, amazing pubs, amazing walks. It's all the English vibes and lovely people. I would recommend that. That English countryside, there is just something spectacular about it, especially when you get one of those rare sunny days. (laughs) All right, final question. Are you a, I think I know the answer to this, window or aisle seat? Solid, solid window boy always yes we got to do a a count i wonder who's winning window versus aisle it might be pretty close but anyway nikki kelvin you don't already follow him on instagram at nikki kelvin and on instagram the points guy uk youtube i'm really proud of what the team there has done and all the innovation and amazing new reviews they have coming out so make sure to follow and subscribe to all of their adventures Nikki, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of Talking Points. I'm your host, Brian Kelly. Huge thanks to TPG UK's very own Nikki Kelvin for being our super informative guest on all things British Airways and also to the top podcast team in the biz, Margaret Kelly and Caroline Chagrin and to my amazing assistant, Christy Matsui. Y'all rock my world. That's it for this episode. Safe travels, everyone.